0: If you love where you live and love to help travelers, sign up now to be a Circa Concierge. Help out our users and earn tips for the knowledge you have about your own city or country. Head over to circatravel.com forward slash concierge and sign up today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. Are we in a spaceship right now? Uh, that's what it I feel
1: kind like. It feels like it. <laughs> feels like a, a little kind of sp- shitty one. <laughs> with, a, a flamingo. with a Flamingo on it. USS Pink Flamingo. <laughs> 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 Captain's Law. Stardate.
2: September 22nd. A destination isn't always a place. Sometimes it's a new
0: way of seeing things. I'm Neil Innes. And I'm Andres Bartos. From Frequency Machine, this is Passport. Your ticket to everywhere. You know Peru from Machu Picchu, the Incas, Ceviche, maybe mountains, definitely Pisco.
2: Peru has everything, dense jungles, imposing mountains, and a long coastline. A rich history that combines breathtaking Incan archaeological sites with the original seats of colonial power on the southern continent. Immigration from Asia has given it one of the most unique gastronomies in the world.
0: But people also treasure Peru for something else. UFOs. To those in the know, Peru is the mecca for unidentified flying objects. Peru's capital, Lima, has its very own X-Files-style UFO investigations office, an official department in the Peruvian Air Force.
2: Generally these days, UFOs are not taken very seriously. But recently... The Pentagon released footage of U.S. Air Force pilots tracking mega-fast, unidentified objects that left no vapor trails. This has been stirring up a lot of mainstream interest.
0: There was even a report in the New York Times in July about the Pentagon's own secret unidentified aerial phenomenon task force. Nope, not the National Enquirer, the New York frickin' Times.
2: And a former director of the task force is convinced that objects of undetermined origin have crashed on Earth and been retrieved for study by the US military.
0: In Peru, they don't need much convincing. UFOs are already part of the national psyche. The reason? Just the sheer number of sightings and weird
2: goings on. So, are UFOs really visiting Earth? And if so, why have they singled out Peru?
0: Passports Andres Bartos and writer producer Darren Lucades have both had their own mysterious sightings in South American skies. And today, they're going to find out that they are not alone. And neither are we. Where do you stand on UFOs? I, I don't know. I've never seen anything. You've never, I've never seen, seen anything. anything. Like most things, I'd rather believe because it's just, it's just more fun. More and, interesting. Yeah. I hope, than... I hope there's a heaven. I hope there's a little green man. But I'm in a, I'm in a pre- weird predicament here because I know and love and trust both of you guys. Mm. And I
1: know that you've seen stuff. We have. I have to believe by proxy.
0: <laughs> but
2: the question is, what did we see?
1: And how many mind-altering substances had you taken <laughs> tonight,
2: <that> <laughs> Very good point.
1: It's diff- it's tricky, right? Isn't it? Because like technology is evolving so quickly, so some of these things are probably like weird, advanced military yeah, aircraft exactly. and like drones. Sure, but that like there's just that percentage that just like can't be explained by any conventional. Yeah. Well, and it
2: seems like this year, in particular, because of Corona, yeah, it seems like the clearest skies we've had ever. And also the most sightings just because there's a chance to actually track yeah. and follow this stuff yeah we're at that point like you say proper journalism looking into this trying to figure out is 2020 the year is i mean if we're gonna have a year where we figure out that we've where been invaded by aliens right? it's yeah. definitely
1: this year. <laughs> it's gonna be the cherry on the cake that pentagon footage of that yeah like, i don't I don't see how humans are making that. No, I've read some kind of no. bizarre optical illusion, but I don't see how or cuz that thing, that is
0: definitely there. It's definitely some distance away and it's fast. I mean, <laughs> let
1: me just tell you guys Please. that I so I've been into like space and Star Trek and aliens since I was a kid. And like people sometimes say to me like, nah, I just don't, I don't believe there's aliens. Now nah, we're alone. It seems like it's pr- pretty statistically unlikely to me yeah. that we've got like hundreds of billions, billions of stars just in our one galaxy. And there's like yeah. infinite galaxies. Yeah. Everybody I've
2: ever talked to about this, I think, has that feeling like there is unexplainable stuff. And then like you did, you put it in the category of, you know, Heaven and mm. religion yeah. and the sky immediately makes you think about this stuff. So if you think about those those periods of time where everybody was seeing burning bushes, yeah. and you know, even in the yeah. states in the 19th century, there yeah. were like people having mass hallucinations of proper, you know, Israelites walking in Colorado and crazy shit like that. There is a possibility that we're going through this now as well. Yeah. Because yeah. we're going through incredibly tense and stressful times where our o- whole reality is kind of twisting in on itself. We don't know what's what. We can't tell reality apart from <laughs> yeah. fiction. So, you know, it's it's only strange because we have measuring devices that seem to be picking this stuff up, and we have phones that can photograph.
1: <laughs> no. I don't know. I don't know.
2: The I whole mean, point is that we don't know. Yeah.
1: It's, it's always like science fiction, isn't it, until it's science fact.
3: There
2: you go.
1: Mm-hmm. As you fly into Lima, the capital of Peru, you see a huge city sprawling out beneath you. A chaotic, densely populated city of around 10 million. Lima heaves with shining tower blocks and grand older buildings, the colonial mixed with the modern. Pretty much what you expect of a major South American metropolis. But there is a secret that marks Lima out. Somewhere in the trendy barrio of Miraflores, which hugs the city's high cliffy coastline is a dark cubbyhole investigating UFOs for the Peruvian government. Seriously. Today,
2: UFO hunting can seem a bit old-fashioned, kind of a retro interest. The heyday was the 50s and the 60s when sci-fi shows like Star Trek hit the small screen. At the time, governments were testing advanced new aircraft at the height of the Cold War. In the 90s... There was a bit of a resurgence in interest thanks to shows like The X-Files. But in Peru, UFOs
1: never really went out of style. I was in Peru in 2014, and I had my very own honest-to-God UFO sighting. What is it that makes Peru such a hotspot? Alien hunters say it's not just about sightings. There are powerful energy spots in Peru. Just think about the mysterious Nazca Lines, which some think are alien landing strips.
2: The Nazca Lines in southern Peru are a group of 300 geoglyphs etched into desert sands. They cover nearly 1,000 square kilometers and depict animals and plants. Some of the lines which make up these giant symbols are 30 meters wide and stretch more than 9 kilometers. At that scale, you can only appreciate them from the air. But is it all just a bit of fun? Or is there something more sinister going on here? Peru's Department of Investigation of Anomalous Aerial Phenomena is trying to answer that very question. That long-winded name, it boils down to a real-life UFO's office. And the work they're doing is deadly serious. The department is officially part of the Peruvian Air Force. And like the X-Files, it contains a real-life Fox Mulder.
4: Uh, my, my father was a pilot, my uncle was a, a pilot too. My life is absolute referred to the sky.
1: That's Marco Barassa, aka the Peruvian Fox Moulder. Marco has been interested in UFOs since he was a kid. Around 2008, when Marco was in his thirties, he began sharing his interest with others.
4: They decided to start writing a blog, a simple blog. It was called Our Extraterrestrial Past, in Spanish, is Nuestro Pasado Extraterrestre, and it was mainly an astronomy blog, communicated in a fun and a simple way, in sharing my search with everyone. Marco no longer produces the blog. Unfortunately, not longer, because it's not compatible with my duties and, and the department, because I'm an investigator, you know. This is not a compatible uh, with a a hard investigation.
1: How on earth did Peru end up opening UFO's office? The interest goes up to the highest reaches of Peruvian politics. Alberto Fujimori, Peru's president between 1990 and the year 2000, had his own close encounter back in the day. Fujimori was fishing with his personal escort deep in the Peruvian jungle when it happened.
4: It was a clear night, 9pm, when A strong light, like a laser beam, rapidly approached around 300 metres high, even splashing them with water, you know. There was a silence, there was a confusion. Others familiar with the story have said that a luminous sphere
1: rose out of the river in front of President Fujimori and his entourage before shooting towards the heavens. But at the time, they all agreed not to repeat the story to anyone. Fujimori, by the way, is currently in prison convicted for links to death squads
2: that murdered thousands of political enemies, just for the record. The original Office of Investigation into Aerial Phenomena was opened nearly 20 years ago, and the first ever case it investigated was the infamous Chulucanas Incident. On October 13th, 2001, in Chulucanas, hundreds of people observed eight spheres of red-orange light moving intelligently through the sky for over five hours. Similar sightings continued for weeks.
1: So, while next year is Peru's bicentennial, 200 years since the country's founding, some are more eagerly awaiting the 20-year anniversary of Chulacanas. Marco told me more about the incident.
4: It's happening in the extreme north of Peru. The appearance of strange lights, many photographs and videos of the case were taken for numerous witnesses. (laughs) Today, this topic is investigated from the strict perspective of national security. Marco also tells
1: me about a historic case at La Jolla Air Base in Arequipa, south of Lima. It happened on a morning in 1980 involving a MiG fighter jet and a UFO.
4: It's a very modern base and uh, all the people in the field see is uh, some form, some strange form, in the sky. It's big, it's like a balloon. It was the order to send a flight of reconnaissance the Comandante Oscar Santamaria with the pilot and he described it perfectly. Thinking the unidentified object
1: was some kind of balloon, Comandante Oscar Santa Maria fired at it using his aircraft's howitzer guns. The bullets are about the size of a coke can. He fired more than 50 shots but the bullets just seemed to pass through the balloon-like object. The object then kept rising, higher than any plane could go, until finally the pilot had to abort.
2: The original UFO's office had a limited remit, and closed in 2003. But Marco then lobbied the government for years to reopen it. Finally, on October 13th, 2013, coincidentally the anniversary of the Chulucanas incident, a new expanded office was opened. Today's Department of Investigation of Anomalous
1: Aerial Phenomena. The investigations team included a mathematician, a sociologist, a physicist, an astronomer, a former military pilot, an anthropologist, and Marco, the investigator and communications specialist. As the department evolved over the last seven years, Marco and an ex-general remained the only impermanent members of the department, instead calling in specialists on a case-by-case basis, including aeronautical engineers, air defence specialists, and
2: meteorologists. Some of the cases are simple, and just entail recording the event and filing the paperwork. Others require rather more investigation, speaking to witnesses,
1: travelling to the location of the sighting, or fallen debris. So, just how many unexplained cases have there been since the department opened?
4: Unfortunately, uh, Darren, I'm not authorized to share that information because the vast majority of cases are open right now. We are talking about the Peruvian airspace control. I hope you understand me.
2: It's true that many of the UFO sightings are probably illicit narco-trafficking flights or very possibly incursions from foreign militaries. But of course, we want to know about little green men.
4: I do not uh, deny the phenomenon. Uh, it is real. It exists. It is there. It can be recorded, but we need uh, more than testimonials and interpretations to take that to take that next step. I have ta- had uh, some experience, but I don't uh, comment it publicly. Maybe when okay. I leave the Area Phenomenal Investigation uh, Department, i writing in a book. You know, I, I don't yeah. know.
1: We should say, this isn't the first time Marco and I have spoken. We met in Peru more than five years ago in a busy cafe in Lima. At the time, I asked Marco where in Peru I would have the best chance of seeing a UFO. One of the weirdest spots that Marco recommended to me was a place called Marco
4: Always, I I will recommend the Marco Plateau. A place eh, almost out of a Stanley Kubrick movie, you know.
1: So I went to Marco And I think I saw a UFO? But before we go there, let's check out a couple other places. I asked Marco about another hotspot I heard a lot about. It's called Chilca. Chilca
2: is to Peru like Roswell is to the United States. Chilca is a city in the Lima region surrounded by desert plains with mournful reddish peaks looming in the background. It looks a bit like Mars. The Rama group is one of the most famous groups of UFO hunters. People begging and hoping for contact with extraterrestrials.
4: This is the place from the 70s, then a lot of uh, young people going to the desert to waiting for uh, contacts to the ships and contacts with alien beings.
2: Sixto Paz Wells is the leader of the Ramas and is the most famous alien hunter and contactee in Peru, maybe in the world.
4: Sixto claims
2: to have been in direct contact with aliens. Back to Marco.
4: I saw strange lights with the Ramas, mm-hmm. with the people of the Sixto Paz. This is this is real is some something is happened in, in this place. But uh, I think this is some kind of place in, in Peru. that need more investigation and more special equipment and more special technology to know specifically what happened in this place.
2: We're with Fox Mulder. We're with. Fox what do you think of this guy?
1: I re- I love him. He's like really sweet and friendly, but he's like really professional as well. Like exactly. yeah, I can't. I can't talk about this because yeah, yeah. it's like, all you know, we're cases. part of the Peruvian Air Force. Like, this is serious work, Darren. <laughs> but yeah, I believe in aliens. <laughs> um, no, he's really cool. And like, I want to read his book when he writes that yeah, book one day. Yeah, for sure. He's, I think he's seen some crazy shit bet. in the classified files. Well, if he's cool, going out with his own eyes. Yeah, yeah. if he's fox moldering out there in
2: the middle of nowhere talking yeah. to like, you know, a lady with three yamas and interviewing her. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be amazing.
1: <laughs> he's like Fox Mulder, but he's like, you'd actually like, you'd like to have a cup of coffee with this totally. guy. Maybe not with Fox Mulder. He's a bit, you know, that's a true. He's, a bit in, he's a bit intense. David Duchovny, yeah. yeah. like, <laughs> a bit true. much. It I was like the hardest thing to do in Peru
0: is to find somebody who hasn't seen you.
2: Well, the story that I found today accidentally, <laughs> like, I just come across the fact that the <laughs> Secretary General of the United Nations in the 80s, another Peruvian man in Manhattan, <laughs> of all places, depending on the account, either was kidnapped by aliens himself and won't talk about it, or witnessed a woman being pulled out of the 12th story of her Manhattan apartment. Bodyguards there watching the Secretary General of the United Nations observing this, and they're on the record as being like, he seemed a little distressed by what was going on.
0: <laughs> Maybe aliens just dig Peruvian politicians. Just messing with per- Peruvian just politicians' love heads. How you're just, yeah, like this, that might be why they're all back Look at shit. these guys.
2: I like, I like the idea that it's the CIA just kind of messing with Latin American <laughs>
1: diplomats, like microdosing their coffee. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't put it past them. When I spoke to Sixty path by email, he told me that Peru is the mecca of UFO hunting. Sixter doesn't speak English, but he put me in touch with one of his colleagues, César Radigui, a Peruvian who's been living in Washington, D.C. since he was 16. César has been interested in UFOs and the paranormal since he was a kid. I do
5: remember my, my dad taking me and my brother to the movies. We I used to live in a little town. You know, we would like our chocolate, our, our soda, and I also wanted this specific magazine called Lo Insólito a magazine about UFOs and paranormal investigations. My dad also, who likes this subject, started reading one of the very well-known contactee, Sixto Paz, one of his first books, Extraterrestrial Contact. I read many books of his, and it prepares you to start going to the outings.
2: Sixto Paz had his first contact event in 1974. Since then, he's written multiple books about his experiences and attracted thousands of followers from around the world. Often organizing outings in different countries, but especially in Peru. And, and really
5: to go to an outing, you really have to have read at least one of the books. Otherwise you will waste your time and you probably won't see much because you're not gonna be like the other people who are probably vibrating higher.
2: We told you things were going to get a lot weirder. So let's see how far down the rabbit hole we can go.
5: In Rama, which is the group I belong to, we have uh, different initiations, as we call it. The sendras are like dimensional portals. Once you cross them, you could be somewhere else. You, You could probably go somewhere else, like what happened to Sixto. He was taken to one of the crafts, one of the UFOs back in 74, suddenly. I mean, you feel dizzy and then before you know it, you're inside the ships.
1: I asked Cesar how this all began.
5: Sure. This group was initiated uh, by Sixto Pest and his brothers. Uh, he was blessed to have a dad who was already in this arena.
1: Sixto was already deep into meditation. He connected with his family and together they tried to channel messages from interstellar beings.
5: They put papers and pencil on a table and started meditating. And he suddenly felt the urge of writing
1: a message. The message outlined the existence of aliens on Ganymede, one of the moons of Jupiter. It also hinted that the more you prepared yourself, as Sixto put it, the more contact you would be guaranteed. But these beings also have bases here on Earth. And of course, they're in Peru. They
5: have like two bases in the ocean in front of the coast of Peru. And one of them is pretty much in front of the the city of Chilca.
1: You say they have two bases. Sorry, who do you mean by they, just to be clear?
5: There's like 60 different kinds of extraterrestrials visiting Earth right now. They would have harmed us long ago if they wanted to, but they haven't. So with them, being in communication with them, we saw, we saw them, we saw the ships. We saw the ships landing in Nazca, and not only there, we saw them coming out of the ship. And uh, some of us have even gone into the ships and taken a ride with them. What are they doing here? What they're trying to tell us is that we are part of a cosmic plan. Life after death, Earth is mutating right now. Why are we going through all these things right now with a lot of earthquakes and volcanoes going off? This is what this is all about. This is what Rama is about. Preparing ourselves for this uh, end of the cycle. Cesar takes it spiritually too. Meditating, praying, you elevate your frequency. Even the monks do it. All this helps for you to becoming a lighter person and prepares better for you to have a contact. So how do you vibrate higher? We raise our vibe. We're usually vibrating in a 3.3 dimension. And this beings are in the fourth, fifth, sixth dimension. So we raise our vibe with the meditations and everything. And these beings show up because they lower theirs and we raise ours. And that's where contact begins.
1: It's so interesting. My mind's a bit blown.
5: <laughs> you told me to go, you know, further. So I'm doing it.
1: So, Chilka, where this all started for Sixto and his followers, seems pretty important. It's incredible, a
5: place out of this world. You see the ships like nothing, like they are there frequently.
1: What would you say to people that are skeptical? I mean, obviously, there's no physical evidence, right? Yes, there is.
5: Just come and see. Basically, the people from the press, we tell them, just come and see because uh, we have had at least 10 outings with the press and they have shown every single time. So do you want to see more? You got to give more. It's very simple. But you will be very welcome to one of the outings. Yeah, no, I think I think that would be yeah. amazing to do.
1: Yeah.
0: It's
2: oh,
0: know God. God. He's so clear. Utter...
2: Earth-shattering. He has more confidence about that than I have in anything in my life. I I know.
0: I would totally get in a car with that guy and drive out to the middle of nowhere. That's
1: how confident he is. (laughs) You wouldn't come back to Passport. (laughs) (laughs) You would join Rama.
2: It's kind of incredible because there's parts of what he says that he's totally right, right? That we're at a moment of change. The the earth is mutating. That we have to be prepared. That, you know, all this stuff, in a way, it's he's right? But then there's this other side, of course, that instinctively, <laughs> for for somebody who has some skepticism, sure, yeah, you're you're thinking, what do you, what's going on? All right, guys, we'll be back after the break with the Nazca lines and a personal UFO sighting.
0: Hi, everyone. Circa is recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. Man,
2: that sunset is
0: gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset.
2: Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh,
1: burger time.
2: So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
1: I could stay here forever.
2: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Let's go to a place in Peru that's almost synonymous with the paranormal the Nazca Lines. Parked 250 miles south of Lima, the lines are giant geoglyphs, huge drawings of plants and animals etched, often with a single trace line, into the desert plains near the city of Nazca. They have been left intact century after century, thanks to the fact that it almost never rains there.
1: They are very mysterious. Why did people draw them? Why do they seem to have been made only to be appreciated from the skies? It was a Swiss author called Eric von Daniken who popularized the idea in the 1960s that the lines were made as alien landing strips. Our friend César tends to concur. You can see an astronaut
5: there. I mean, this is quite amazing. All these things were like astral ports. So pretty much they can see those lines from the sky. And Nazca has many, many, many more meanings that people maybe don't know much about. One of the places that was chosen for us to leave Earth if that would happen, which I don't think is going to be the case, but I'm just telling you what I know, is Nazca.
1: I asked Cesar what he made of the more, let's say, scientific explanations for the lines. Uh, This was done back in the 4th century. So, you know, making
5: these drawings, which were huge, it's like the pyramids in Egypt. I mean, people from there
2: did them, but they were guided by, by, by extraterrestrials. I think it's time we come back to Earth for a little bit.
6: Uh, hi, my name is Luis Jaime Castillo. I am a professor at the Catholic University in Lima, Peru.
2: Luis is an archaeologist who's been studying the Nazca Lines for the last few years alongside world-renowned Peruvian archaeologist Joni Isla. Luis has developed a technique of using flying drones to record sites in enormous detail so as to closely study them.
6: We, we have been finding hundreds and hundreds of new figures.
2: Luis explains that the lines date back to the first millennium, with different cultures in the area making lines since then. And the technique for making them is actually fairly straightforward.
4: I mean, they simply lift
6: dark stones from a light-colored soil that lies below it, and, and you reveal that white soil. Ever since the lines were
2: spotted by pilots flying over them in the 1930s, there have been different theories as to their origins some posited that they were astronomical representations that they pointed to underground water supplies or that they were paths
6: i myself have been exploring the fact that uh, the lines are actually put together to be seen at night that contrast between light color soil and dark stones in the middle of a moon full moon night looks fantastic
2: while the theories are interesting for Luis. It's the question of how the lines were designed that
6: is really compelling. The actual world-famous Nazca lines, those beautiful figures, particularly those hummingbirds and monkeys and spiders and whales, they use a very, very peculiar technique. And that is a single line that goes around. It's not one line that is cut and then another one that is cut. No, it's like an outline. The real question is, how do you design them? using a single line.
1: Luis believes that the designer of the most famous NASCAR lines of animals must have been a savant, a true artistic genius.
6: Before him, they were doing geometric designs, pure geometry into these magnificent designs. And that jump from one thing to the other, I think, has to be done by somebody that is exceptionally gifted. Could the
2: jump have come another way? We want to know what an archaeologist like Luis makes of the theories of people like Eric Van Däniken, that the Nazca Lines were made by or for aliens.
6: I, like you, have fun with these ideas. I, I think that everybody's entitled to have their own opinion and to believe whatever they want.
2: Of course, there is a darker side to the aliens theory.
6: But the problem lying underneath that, the speculation is that somebody from outer space have to come here to bring us civilization because the people living here were not intelligent enough to develop you know, things like irrigation or agriculture. We always have to have somebody coming from somewhere else. And of course, this is basically a justification of racism and a racist conception that Basically, we need a supernatural being you know, we've embedded with supernatural powers so that we can actually move forward.
1: It is so insulting, though, isn't it? Like, oh, the ancient Egyptians couldn't have made yeah. the pyramids. Yeah. like They didn't even have iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> Dumbasses.
0: We can't work out how it was done so... It just must have been aliens. It must have been something else. Like
2: we are kind of incredible. When we want to be, we can be such an incredible species. To look out at a
1: field of sand and be like, "This would look good with like a monkey in it." (laughs) (laughs) He thinks they were maybe like people coming and like literally like tagging the the area. Like they probably didn't live there. Um, Fuck you, spiders! We're the penguins. (laughs)
2: Many of the ancient cultures in the Nazca area, like the Paracas culture, used to mummify their dead. So, some on websites like Gaia.com have claimed that the mummy's unusual shaped heads show evidence of alien influence, ignoring that the skulls were altered according to ancient trepanning techniques. These theories have even led to tomb raiding and hoax videos of alien corpses with three fingers. This is the ugly side of alien hunting.
1: At this point, I don't really know what to believe. I felt a bit out of my depth talking to César, and it's hard to contradict the important point Luis the archaeologist is making, but I can't forget my own encounter. Five years ago I went to Markawasi, which we mentioned at the start. There are strange stories there from local people about creatures crawling out of holes in the ground to abduct people. There have been sightings of these really weird tall beings and there are frequent UFO sightings. Definitely. It's one of the most important places. That's Cesar again. Of course, he believes when it comes to Marcawasi.
5: One of the great wars, galaxy wars, you know, from the Star Wars, happened there in Marcawasi. They fought there.
1: Marcawasi is set on a mountain range about three hours inland from Lima. Then there's about an hour's hike to Marcawasi. There you find these strange rock formations in the shape of animals and human faces. With my girlfriend, I set up a tent for the night there and watched an otherworldly sunset. We cooked a basic dinner on a fire and set in for a night of stargazing. There was such a clear night sky. And then we saw it. A strange bright light. It would make this zigzagging shape drawing the letter Z in the cosmos and then return to the starting point and do it again over and over it wasn't a plane it wasn't a star so what the hell was it a ufo
2: so darren and i have this in common we both saw something in the sky on a very particular night so i had to call eva the person that i saw this with and i needed to see if she remembered it in the same way that i did (laughs) <laughs> hey you! I think we probably haven't like spoken in twenty years.
3: I, 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 we're not that old. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure how to like. Maybe I'll, I'll give you my my side of this this moment. See if you re- even remember it. <laughs> You're nodding. You're nodding very vigorously.
3: It was two thousand, I think, and uh, we decided to go climb up this hill. I think we were just sitting there for a while, just watching the city, and then um, there was three lights that just turned on, and they were really far away. They were over on the Altiplano, and I want to say like 20 or 30 feet by 20 or 30 feet. Like, they were big. They turned off for a while, and then they all turned on for a while, and they they kind of did that. Then I feel like one changed color. There was one that was kind of pink. Do you remember that? Yes. They moved. They actually, like, picked up and moved, which I was not expecting. And I want to say it happened for a few hours, or, mm-hmm. like, at least an hour. And I think at which point we were just kind of, like, done and left. Yeah. Like, I don't even, <laughs> I don't think it actually ended.
2: You've never come to a conclusion as to what we saw.
3: No, I mean, I can definitely say it's, I'm glad that we're talking about it, because I always wondered. There's just... Mysteries in life beyond what we really know about. I think I don't have an explanation, but I know I saw that for sure.
2: So here's a question: when when I said I wanted to talk to you, do you think this is, did you think this is what I wanted to talk to you about?
3: Yeah, I knew.
2: <laughs> I've been carrying around these uh, this little moment for quite a while. Thanks for <laughs> talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, in in the case of my potential UFO sighting, we decided, we decided. We just didn't talk about it. Because I think, what do you say? It's just weird.
1: <laughs> For like 20 years, right? For Things
0: 20 years, like... we didn't talk about it. It's so odd to me because you would like, Wait till you, have you, you would your just UFO go sighting home or go get like a piece of pie or something or like go have a, a meal and just be like, what? So we are, are we cool? <laughs>
2: like what was? Are that? we never gonna talk about this again? No, I I I really can't. I can't explain why, but it seemed completely natural that it was like this has to stay here. Yeah, whatever this was, can't be real. Maybe or is, but what are we gonna say about it?
7: We did have people taken to this energetic places where you can get this strange energy.
2: That's Corina Duran. She's a tour guide based in Cusco, the city near the amazing Incan archaeological site of Machu Picchu.
7: If you've been in Machu Picchu, you probably have climbed to Wajna Picchu, right? In the halfway, there's an entry going to the Temple of the Moon. Oh my God, that place you have to go prepared. And you have to be a believer. And I saw people I don't know if you heard about Anunnaki's.
2: The Anunnaki are deities that appear in a number of ancient cultures' myths, the most renowned of which are the Sumerians. But some people, including Eric von Daniken, prefer the ancient astronaut theory that the Anunnaki are extraterrestrials who guided human evolution some 50,000 years ago. And Karina's shamans claimed to have seen them.
7: I can not feel only energies, but they can see it. Cuerpos celestiales nos están mirando and they said, los Anunnakis están aquí. They are here for us. So it's amazing. They always tell you, just yes, open your chakra to see this one. I was scared, but not scared to run away. I was scared, like, what is this?
1: And so, so do, you, do you believe in the Anunnaki then?
7: It is mysterious. Mm-hmm. I grew up with this one since I was little because my grandpa was a great shaman. I'm gifted by him.
1: In your opinion, who are the Anunnaki?
7: They were a people who come from other spaces, definitely. Definitely yeah. to help our people because we were mm. not a good people. We were not good beings.
2: For those interested in these things, Karina recommends a certain interdimensional doorway on Lake Titicaca on the border with my home country, Bolivia. It's called Aramu Muru, and it's a stone doorway cut into an enormous sheer rock face. And some people think that it's a real-life stargate.
7: That place is like, even when you are in the road, it's like some energy is pulling you, like say, don't pass without seeing me or don't pass without visiting me. You have to go prepare for it. It's, I'm having goosebumps right now. (laughs) It's so strong, really. It's very strong.
1: I decide to tell Karina about my own experience. When I tell Karina about what I saw, she's totally unfazed.
7: This I saw in Nazca. It was something calling me from the sky. And wow. one of the things I couldn't even speak up. They always used to call me, La Brujita, what did you feel? <laughs> <I mean, laughs>
1: For the listeners that don't speak Spanish, Brujita is little witch, right?
7: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Corina is proudly Quechua. It was her first language and she was still mastering Spanish at university though she now speaks multiple languages and she listens carefully to what holy shamans say about giving offerings and carrying out ceremonies in sacred places.
7: Los portales están abiertos. The sacred gates are open, so let's give them food before people disappear or before we were punished by them.
1: By this point in our hour-long chat, the line for me between believing in extraterrestrial beings and the spiritual beliefs of local people in rural places had become pretty blurred. Sightings are almost a part of their daily lives, and increasingly so, it seems.
7: Something is happening. Of course, the media is going to say something else. But there's something happening. Country people, they have their histories generation to generation, and they always said, okay, they're coming to claim their land because we have destroyed. So they're coming maybe to help us, or maybe they're going to just come back and took from us. That's what the local people says.
2: To us, it feels like you need a certain kind of heart and mind to be an alien hunter and also to feel them in your belly. Somehow, this ancient land, this connection to the sky, Machu Picchu, the Nazca Lines, well, all these things
1: mirror the sky. They're built based on the movement of stars and the moon. We've been looking up for as long as we've been on two legs. And when you're 13,000 feet high, oxygen is thin and the stars are bright. If there's anything in the sky, anything that's out of place, you'll see it. And you'll probably feel it too. Sure, the truth is out there, but isn't the mystery the fun part? The Mayas, the Aztecs, the Incas,
2: the Tiwanacotas—all these civilizations reached this kind of crisis point mm. that we're in now.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice. I know. I'm very sorry to put us there. <laughs> Hopefully, we're not going to be doing human sacrifice or ripping mm-hmm. beating hearts out of people's chests. <laughs> well, <laughs> the elections are if coming. You give me another bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, not to say that all UFOs have to do with that, but the community and the feeling of making sense outside of our own world, yeah, links to that mm, for me yeah. somehow. The need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> the need to get, but also the need to feel like there's something beyond us. Yeah. And that we're all part of something bigger.
1: So what happens in Star Trek is that. I thought we were done with Star Trek. <laughs> oh, never. Is that the whole, like, planet's fucked up after the third world war and, like, humans have are in poverty and disarray. But some guy, like, manages to build light speed Travel. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's this blue dot moment for humanity. And they're like, wow, there's like other beings out there. And mm-hmm. they like start to look out and stop fighting. And Inter- within like 50 years, peace. I think they've solved, yeah, they've solved poverty, they've solved hunger, and they start getting rid of money. So
2: this is what Peru can teach us. Yeah, basically. Utopia. Yeah. The end of capitalism, interspecies. Alien mating. mating. Oh, yeah. no. Absolutely. <laughs> that's where I was going. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last frontier. Dun, 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 the kinds dun. of weird cack mating. I think, I think that's a beautiful. Se- I think, I think all it's really good. Those, those two sentiments are really beautiful. And the other sentiment that came out that I think is also really beautiful is the mystery of it all. The fact that we don't know is almost better Yeah. in a way. So we get this window before we actually come in contact that we should enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> the moment you
0: before you open the box and find out the cat's dead.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Andres could kind
0: of start.
1: A I could bit. Totally. Of sex
0: should
2: I, UFO, should I try to should sex. i
1: should i try to woo
2: you into my ufo yeah set? i don't I think...
1: know if you're vibrating at the right <laughs> <point>. <laughs> i'm at a
2: 2.2 right now
1: <laughs> neil and i will let you get it started and we'll,
2: we'll see how it goes yeah. maybe you guys could work in the marketing department start ordering the kool-aid <laughs> <laughs> uh, passport brewery that's
0: an ending right there This week, we've got five saved pins to give you a map of Peru's most supernatural places. The spots you've got to visit in the world's mecca of UFO hunting. Number one is Marcahuasi.
2: The Marcahuasi Plateau, just 60 kilometers away from Lima, are some of the spookiest mountains imaginable and undoubtedly one of the best spots to see UFOs in Peru. It's where Darren had his sighting. Come for the faces carved into the rock in the human sculpture park. Stay for stories of creatures crawling out of the ground to abduct you.
0: Number two, Chilca. The area around Chilca, just south of Lima, is truly otherworldly. A Mars landscape. Marco told us it's the Roswell of Peru. So it's another must visit if you want to catch some UFOs in action.
2: Number three is the Maria Reiche Museum. Once you've seen the Nazca Lines, you're going to want to learn a bit about their history. This museum contains a collection of curiosities that once belonged to German scientist Maria Reiche. She was known as the keeper of the lines and was one of the first people to bring them to international attention.
0: Number four, Aramamuru Lake Titicaca, one of the world's most ancient and highest lakes, is home to floating islands, traditional reed boats, and the interdimensional doorway of Amamumuru. Locals see this abandoned stone carving as a portal to another dimension, the weirdest thing you'll find in this part of the country.
2: Number five, the Laguna de Charo. And for another unknown, isolated spot, head to the stunning Charo Lagoon, found in the tiny town of Iquitos in Peru's Amazon. It's famous as the place where Peru's ex-president... Alberto Fujimori had a
0: UFO sighting of his own. Thanks for listening, guys. That's it from us. If you're a fan of what we do here, please take some time to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on social media at Passport Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. For questions and how to continue the conversation, you can find us on Facebook and in our Passport Podcast Fans Facebook group. Next week on Passport, our conspiracy series continues as we head to a place called the world. But this world is in one place. It's in Dubai. Harry Stott looks behind the scenes of one of the most insane building projects in a city dominated by them. But in the city of gold, things aren't quite as shiny as they seem. We'll see you then. This episode of Passport was written and produced by Darren Lucades and Andres Bartos and edited by me and Harriet Davies. Big, big thanks to Marco Barasa, César Radigi, Luis Jaime Castillo and Corina Duran for helping us make this episode. Our theme tune was written by our very own Ziggy Stardust, Nick Turner, with very special tracks from Enriqueta Cerda-Mendez. Also additional music by Darren via his very own band and drummer Jason Ribiero, who currently go by the name of Time Cops. Additional stuff from Lieutenant Fitzgibbon's men, Foxy Bassi, Attitude, and Oracle. The show is mixed and mastered by Julian Kuesneski, Eliza Engel is our production assistant, Stacey Book, Dominic Ferrari, and Abby Glijanski are beings with intelligence far beyond our own, they also executive produce the show, which is hosted by me, and a man who deals almost exclusively in Close Encounters. Andres Bartos. Mm.
1: We'll
0: see you in the next
1: place. Mm.